everybody and welcome to the 17th episode, believe it or not, of the Kent Non-League Football Podcast with me, John Phipps and Matt Gerrard. Um, we're trying to tick off as many random places as we can for, for us to be when we're do- doing this podcast. So this week I am coming to you from a hotel in Bristol, believe it or not, where uh, everyone's talking about Kent Non-League Football. There's people outside talking about Glebe and everything. Um, the weather's absolutely filthy here, Matt. Now, Matt, you're back in the in the Garden of England. and um, How is it down there first and, and how are you? Yeah, not too bad. It's a bit windy. Uh, I, I'm in my bedroom, so there you go. Recording the pod in my bedroom, so uh, a bit windy, but uh, yeah, it's all been good. It wasn't a particularly good few days for Kent football, I don't think, but we'll discuss that later. But um, yeah, everything's good. My toe still hurts. I know. Thanks for your concern for that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm I'm sorry to hear that, and I mean, obviously. Um... You know, it, it, you are back in the box this week, having been allowed out last week to to join me for for the live record. So, you know, Matt's not quite as clear as he was last week, but it, it was very nice to see him. We had a very nice car. He put the world to rights. And um, as Matt pretty much touched on there, it wasn't a great week for our teams, but we'll be going through that as we go along over the next half an hour or so. Um, I think we're going to start, though, this week with probably Kent's surprise package of the season so far. At the start of the campaign, if you'd been looking at the Bostic Premier, you'd have thought Margate and Tunbridge Angel were both looking at the playoffs, and folks in Victor's first priority would be ensuring they got enough points to stay up. But as the halfway point of the season approaches, well, for some teams anyway, it's in Victor who are flying highest. The stats speak for themselves. 16 games played, only Billericay and Leatherhead have played fewer. 11 wins, 2 draws and just 3 defeats. And Victor is sitting pretty in 4th place in the table, but games in hand on every team around them, apart from Billericay, which is absolutely fantastic. I, uh, I caught up with their manager, Neil Cugley, and he is understandably delighted with how his team are doing so far. Yeah, I'm used to looking at the bottom of the table, not the top, I've got to be honest. And now the players have been absolutely brilliant, absolutely superb. The, the effort they put into the games and their fitness levels is a credit to, to, to them and, and to our club. And uh, now they've been really good. What's, what's just clicked this season? What's been the difference? Uh, I think fitness, really. We get around the pitch a lot more. I think we tried to play for when we got. And to be fair, we needed that first year in that league to see what it's all about. You know, it's a big jump for us from you know, the Ryman South. I suppose having your goal scorer, Yusuf's done very well, hasn't he? Yeah, he's done well. He's got a really good chance of kicking on in the game. Um, yeah, he's done well. He's done very well. I suppose you've got a player like him, he's sort of had a taste of, of, of the higher level. He's still hungry, though, isn't he? Always That's why he's, he's, yeah, he's desperate to get back to, a, to being a full-time pro, and uh, I think that shows in his game. He's done well. Although most of his goals are penalties, it's still um, achievement to keep putting them in every time. And, I mean, at the start of the season, you say you're used to looking at the bottom of the table. You'd have snapped someone's hand for three where you are. But as, as you get further into the season, do your ambitions change? Then, um, yeah, I suppose they have, yeah. yeah. Now you can start thinking maybe could get in the playoffs. You'd never thought that, really, at the start of the season. So. And, do you, and do you think that's a realistic aim? Yeah, I think so. I think we could try and keep plugging away for that. You've got a week off now, haven't you? So, a bit yeah, of a break? Yeah, that's not bad. We've got a League Cup game, so I'll give a few people a game. Then we have Saturday off. We've had a lot of games, so I'm quite happy with that. Nice to have a break for the busy Christmas period. Yes, it is. Well, Matt, I... I think Neil Cugley sort of hit the nail on the head there. He's look, used to looking at the bottom of the table and here they are, fourth, looking down on, on many, many teams with far bigger budgets than them. They're doing great, aren't they, Folkestone? I think he's doing a fantastic job. Uh, we mentioned before he lost... He always loses players, Neil Cugley. This is the problem he has, particularly this time of the season. He gets a, a solid squad and financial cutbacks or etc. like that has pulled them issues. But he seems to have... You know, they got to the fourth round, qualifying round of the FA Cup, which is it's a great achievement, which is probably... Overachieved in that, they give him some extra money to keep the players they've got. Ada Yusuf, um, the Wagamama waiter, you know, he was a good player in the league. I've seen him drift back into non league and I wasn't too impressed, but scoring a lot of goals. I'm sure he's learning a lot of um, uh, Ian Drake up, up top, uh, you know, a real wily old fox and Yusuf scoring a lot of goals. So it's been absolutely, and you think arguably they lost Liam Friend, who was. Folks and Mr. Folks and Invicta wasn't in numerous games. He went to Margate and he's brought players in. Callum Davis, who I mentioned before, I really like. And that Blanks, good players. And Scott Hurd, one of these players you think maybe could have gone through. Of course, he was at Dagenham last season. Maybe he had a chance to play at a high level. Gone back to Folkestone and you can really see he's been one of their shining lights this season. So a, a fantastic achievement for, uh, for Neil Cugley. One of football's nice guys, we have to say from that point of view uh, and, and, and he must be over the moon from that get folks to where they are is a fantastic achievement what a great bit of run of results they're on as well you don't draw many but 
they either win or lose and big game against Enfield this week coming up as well but I think they should be absolutely over the moon and thanks to a well-run club some really good people behind the scenes and I'm absolutely delighted for them all yeah, I mean, you mentioned him there, Yusuf. He's got, he's got 10 goals, seven of them penalties, um, including a last-minute winner at, at Brighton Sea Region on Saturday. Um, I thought it was Nando's he worked at um, rather than Wagamama's. I, I don't go in either of those, to be brutally honest with you. I, I, I don't get get what either of them are about. But um, either way, the, the hunger that Yusuf has got, that Neil Cugley spoke about there, to make something more, to have another crack at getting in the league, that's only good for folks and to have players like that who want to better themselves. Well, and, it, and probably Yusuf's looked at what Neil Cugley's done. Now, Harry Smith came from Sittingbourne and with him folks and he was probably there three, four, five months and he went into the mill. And also, you had uh, uh, Johan de Horst as well, who was scoring bag loads, bag, load, bag loads of goals. Then he went into the, uh, you know, went to Hull City's Academy, had a good career. Now he's back to Mainstay. So he's probably seen that I can do this for the certain players and uh, maybe I can do it for you, for, for Yusuf as well. He probably, Dagenham, it was probably a good move for him when you think about it because they're one of the clubs who do bring on non-league players. Problem is they were struggling at the wrong end of the league, really, that sort of thing. If he'd have been a player they had in the in, in the in the National League, at maybe at this level, he could really shine. But again, he's a player to look out for now. He knows where the back of the net is. They do get some penalties, folks, but Yusuf is absolutely lethal from the spot. And things as well, I mean, when he, obviously when he went to Dagenham, he went from Chatham. Now he's coming from a, a level higher up as well, if, if he goes again from folks now. But he's, he's scoring goals at a higher level than he was before. So even even again, those clubs that are willing to take a punt on those players coming from the non-league game, they're going to be even more impressed by him. They'll look and see, well, he, why didn't it work out from Dagenham? And, you know, I, I don't think it, it, it was just exactly that they were struggling. It, it wasn't anything more than that. It w- probably wasn't even his ability, so to speak. And, you know, I think he, he's got a chance. We keep banging him in. You keep seeing his name on the score sheet every week. There's going to be scouts floating around. They're going to be making reports. And there's no reason why. And, you know, it's I know certainly one thing that always confuses me in, in almost every level that, you know, the one league club in Kent, aren't looking at players who are banging goals in for Kent clubs. And, and I've never understood that. For, for, for many years, it's been the case. You know, if there's a guy who's playing for Folkestone, banging goals in, why aren't Gillingham looking at players like him? Yeah, well, well of course, they brought in Nash and they sent him out straight away to Billericke. He scored a hat-trick Again, for Leverhead, didn't he, the, yeah. on Tuesday night? Right, right, right. If, you know, if must something, they'll have something about him. If John Steele, who is the king of buying players from non-league and put them into the league, thinks something about him, thinks he's a player, I think he, he, he must have something about him. He's quick, strong. Again, as you say, what I like about him, he's probably, you know, he went into the league with Dagenham, he's probably been kicked back down to the levels he was, but Neil Cugley's seen something in him and he's been rewarded with it as well. So, good good player. You know, we don't want to tout players out of the Kent non-league game, but maybe uh, AD Usage wants to watch and uh, I think we'll be delivering, you know, I'll be, well, I'll be mentioning to a, him to a few people I know to keep an eye out for him. Yeah, it's it's really good for folks to to be doing well. You know, they are much like your boys, Dover, a bit of an outpost and and flying high in the league. And, you know, we'll stay on folks for just a few minutes more because I caught up with Neil Cugley actually in person on Sunday. The reason I went down there was the charity match that they held in memory of James Treadwell's dad, John. John was a total legend at Invictor. And obviously, well, I say obviously, you may not actually know this. James, his son, has gone on to have a great career in cricket, playing for both Kent and England. Um, the game itself obviously wasn't much of a spectacle from a from a footballing point of view, but it was a good day. Um, I understand it was a draw, but it, it really wasn't about all that. It was good to see some well-known Kent faces in action as well. Andy Hessen-Tyler, Nicky Southall, Darren Stevens, and James Trebwell himself. And after the game had finished, which James Trebwell thoroughly enjoyed, I caught up with him to talk about his dad, folks in Victor, and the day. And after James, you'll hear just a little bit more from Neil Cugley about that day that folks in Victor had on Sunday. So how good was today then? Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, nice to get out on the pitch. Uh, obviously, spent a lot of time here as a as a young lad when Dad was involved with the club. Um, obviously, as it was as a town club. But um, yeah, nice to get out there and obviously remember Dad for what all he did for the town. Really. Yeah, I mean, looking at it from a non-league football point of view, you, you know more than anyone how important a, a non-league town is to a team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's huge for the community, isn't it? Really, as much as anything. Um, yeah, especially this part of the world because we haven't got m- much league football in Kent. So um, to have these sort of outcrops that 
produce pretty good footwork for honest, especially this year in Victor Flying, aren't they? So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's important that um, sport in this parts of the, of the country uh, are flourishing. And your dad was was quite a player, I understand. Well, yeah, I didn't see the best of him. Uh, I was uh, a bit of a late late comer in terms of the children, so. Um, yeah, I didn't see much of him, but I do remember him vaguely in the reserves and all the stories you hear from various other people say he was a pretty tough player and um, you know, reports go that he played in every position on the pitch, bit of a utility player and um, obviously hugely committed. So, um, yeah, it's a very proud day to be able to remember him in this fashion. And a lot of you cricketers fancy yourself as footballers. Uh, what, what's the feeling after that? Yeah, I think a few of them shaped up pretty well, to be fair. Um, yeah, we, it was handy that we did have a couple of footballers mingled in in our team to sort of take up the pivotal roles. But yeah, I think Darren Stevens got a couple of goals and um, a couple of the others were reasonably influential. So um, I'm sure their um, estimations will go even higher now. And a good turnout and good for the club and good for you just to sort of get into the your benefit here now. Yeah, um, yeah, look, this event is not really about that, to be honest. I mean, Neil Cugley came to me, um, having obviously him been at the club for a number of years. He obviously had a thousand matches in charge. Dad played a thousand matches, a bit of a bit of a link in that department, I guess. Um, and it's about remembering Dad. We've had a collection and this, that, and the other for the charities that I support, but um, today was all about Dad, really. And um, a lot of the people here would have watched him play and uh, remembered him as a footballer, and that's what it's about. Do you your Dad would enjoy today? Yeah, absolutely. He might have kicked a few people, I think, at some stage. But um, yeah, no, he uh, yeah he obviously loves sport. So um, any chance to um, to get out there and do any, anything sporting, he was all over it. So um, yeah, great to see so many familiar faces around and remembering him really. Great day today for for James and remembering his dad. Yeah, that no, was great. John, obviously, I remember playing because I used to watch folks as a kid and. Yeah, you wouldn't argue with John Treadwell. <laughs> he was a hard player and uh, obviously football's moved on a little bit from them days, but great servant for the club. James just said to me he'd have kicked a few people if he'd been out there. Cool, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it was no different era, obviously different times, and uh, but yeah, great servant for the club, really great. And good for the club to sort of you know remember him and, and link up well with, with James, he's obviously a local and everything like that, and get a few people in for, for, to remember him. Yes, and obviously to be fair to James, he's done Kent really proud of what he's achieved and... Uh, it was nice to recognise people and have a, such a nice day. So, Matt, it's, um, it's, clubs are so important to their communities, aren't they? And, and Folkestone putting on that day for a, a local lad who's done well at the end of his benefit year, it just shows the importance of the club to the town and the importance of people to the club as well. Yeah, I didn't really know. I know James Treadwell, though. I knew, knew him, his father, more but as a cricketer. He had a, a very good career playing for Folkestone, but I never knew he was such a legend playing football in the the 50s and 60s, you know, from the descriptions you've said over there, he was a no-nonsense d- defender, hard and play, Mr. Folkestone in Vic, or Mr. Folkestone, is it, as, it, as they were then. So an absolutely fantastic, fantastic achievement. Folkestone, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a good area for Folkestone, a good community club. A lot of people I know um, from, from the journalism go to Folkestone, Richard Morrell, Mick Cork, people like that. You know, They live and breathe that football club. And, you know, and I think when you look at it as well, Neil Cuggery's been there for a thousand games, non-stop, thousand games. That must mean something. He must love it. He must have had offers to go through the pyramid, particularly in the Kent game to go high, but he's always stayed to his local club. And I think that shows something when a manager stays that long, what a good club that will be. They've had their ups, they've had their downs, but maybe this is the time that all that heartache and leasing players and struggling for money, this could be focused in Victor's season. And I'm delighted for them because they're, they're a great little club. Yeah, you talk about Cugley's 1,000th game. I was actually the sports editor at the Folks and Herald at the time of, of that milestone. And um, we pulled together an a eight-page pullout celebrating that because they also got promoted to it. It was like a double celebration. And um, they say that, you know, you can't with these ideas. And they're only as good as what actually comes to fruition. Well, all I will say is I thought it was really excellent, apart from the bit where our beloved friend Sam Incasol uh, interviewed a dog and put a column from a dog in a newspaper, which I think ended with the phrase, Bark for now, woof you later. Um, I, I mean, I was fairly speechless, to be honest, when that came through on, on the system. <laughs> well, that's well, well, no, But now he's following West Ham, so, you know, that dog might have been the start of his career. <laughs> well, indeed, yeah. But, I mean, the, 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 we're saying about the clubs and how important they are to their communities. And, and, you know, it really annoys me when you see clubs um, 
being damaged by people in the community. I don't know if you saw the story in the week, Matt, about Whitton Town over in Essex who are in the Bostic North Division. They had a break-in at the club. They've, I think they've had some money stolen, loads of damage caused. And, you know, I feel sorry for these clubs because, you know, they're trying to keep going. They need every single penny. And then you get mindless people like that damaging them. And, you know, thankfully we haven't had many reports of that in, in Kent, certainly none this season that I'm aware of. But people have got to appreciate these football clubs. You know, that, that could be a massive blow for Whitton, what's happened to them there. Well, exactly. Also, on the other side of the coin, when I went to Dagenham yesterday, we went past Averley's new ground. It's like a four and a half million pound stadium and really a fantastic ground as well. So, other side of the coin, they can see what clubs can bring to the community. Again, it's a 3G surface and they're doing stuff for the community. But you don't want to see things like that. As, as, as I think Mark Winter... Uh, David Jenner said, a, a, a town's not a town where he hasn't got a football club with it. And I, I, I really believe in that, from that point of view, that it really brings everybody together, a football club. And, you know, I think people should appreciate that a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, back on the pitch, it was a good week for Folkestone's rivals, rivals, so to speak, Tunbridge Angels and Margate, as they both claimed six points out of six. Um, Angels certainly did a tough way on Saturday, though. They needed a last-minute goal to beat Needham Market 5-4 at Longmead. Now, when the, when the game's like that, I always like to work out how the goals went in. So here it goes. Angels went 1-0 up, then they were 2-1 down. They went 4-2 up, pegged back to 4-4, and then Tashi Kwai won it for him right at the death. A bit more straightforward for them on Tuesday. A 2-1 win over Thurrock. The late goal was for the visitors there, which made it look a little bit closer. Nathan Elder and Alex Crowfrey both on target in both of those games. That bodes well for Angels if those two have found the, the goal-scoring touch, doesn't it, Matt? Well, that's a little large, those two. I, I... I quite liked a trophy when he was at Maidstone. You, you could see he had something about him. He had a bit of pace. Didn't really work out. He's one of these players that Jay Saunders sort of um, brought up through the levels and probably again with Maidstone going through the levels so quickly, he sort of went a bit too quick for a trophy. But I always thought he could be a goal scorer. He had that knack of um, being on the shoulder of the last man very quick. And he's a goal scorer. He's a finisher. And Nathan Elder, you'll know what you'll get with him. 110%. Big man, a burly striker. Uh, coming to the end of his career, but, but you can learn off him. He's great in the dressing room. He's one of those players that really sort of galvanises a squad who looks up to him. I think everybody calls him uncle. They used to when they did at Dover, all the young lads as well. So very important player for them. Uh, and, and again, I had the report from the uh, from somebody who went to the Needham Market game, and it's an absolute crazy game. And he said, but there is absolutely nothing better when you win a game in the last minute, particularly as when you got pegged back to four all and you win it five four. That. That's what's football about. It's been a good few days for Tunbridge Angels. And as you say, Margate as well. Back-to-back um, -back win. It's been a, a good week for us sides in the uh, in the Devon Bostic Premier. Absolutely. Well, Angels are ninth. Margate are up to seventh. They were 2-0 winners at nine-man Lowestoft on Saturday. And a 3-1 success at Tooting on Tuesday night. And the club actually gave 25 of their supporters free travel to Tooting as well, which was really nice of them. And, and I looked down. They only had four subs. Lenny Pedri didn't play. Um, on Tuesday night for some reason and they only had four subs but they were all good players they were, most of them were good attacking players your Bodkins your Jay Mays Liam Ember Maroom is, is back fit now Steve Watt's got plenty of options there going forward and, and you know when I've seen Margate a couple of times this year I've thought you know they've looked a little bit light in attack but now they, they, they're starting to get their, their players back and they're going to be a threat aren't they? Yeah I think you look at Chidozi he's banging the goals in he must be one of the highest scorers in the in the Devon Bostick Premier. Again, another player who went into the league after impressing in long league, had to come back out. But I think that's a, that's a signing for him. He's got a bit of pace, got something about him. Um, and again, it's more to adds to the experience of when you've got Anver Marin, May and, and Franny Collin, not the quickest these days, but they're target man. But for Chidozi, if you get the ball to him, he's absolutely lightning and he's scoring goals. And Kane Hazeman as well, another good signing. Steve Watt, using his contacts well for Margate and I think, uh, yeah, I think they'll, they'll be pleased. We mentioned them before, they'll be a bit, little bit down early part of the season when they went out the FA Cup, but they seem to be on a roll now. And once you're in a habit of winning matches uh, in this division, you can really move up in towards those playoff positions. Yeah, there's there's no league games for any of our Boston Premier League teams on Saturday, but Invicta and Gate are both at home on Tuesday night, although the latter will depend on Gate's result against Egham Town on Saturday in the FA Trophy. Um, obviously, if that's a draw, I, th I would imagine the replay will be Tuesday night, so the game against Starrett will be pushed back. Um, we found out earlier on today, it's now it's half past eight on Wednesday night now, that um, it will be Egham who Margate play after Bowers and Pitsy's appeal was rejected. And 
know, that was the decision that was that would have been made last week. The, the game could have been on. Margate could have been planning for the next round if they'd won, or Egham could have been planning for the next round. So it was all a bit unnecessary, all of that. But, you know, we'll move on to the rest of the trophy. And Cray are playing their replay against Moneyfields right now um, while, while I'm putting this all together. Um, and on Saturday... Welling are at home to Western and Dartford go to Brentwood. And we talked briefly about those two ties um, previously when the draw was made, but I'd say they're both winnable games, wouldn't you, Matt? Yeah, I think uh, Welling have got to sort their own form out. Western Supermare, probably a, it's a side they know a lot about from playing in the same division as them. Um, Joe Healy, we mentioned last week, what a, what a good player he's been, and he's been in the headlines again. Yeah, I think it's a good game for Welling to get their... Uh, uh, home form sorted and with the next round of course the, the National League sides come in and Dartford that Brentford they probably know all about they were probably you know a lot of the um, Dartford management team are, are Essex based so they probably know a lot more of that club um, there should be should be easy for the darts as well and I think we're, we'll have, we'll have, we should have a full house if Margate against Bath if they've got to go there if they can get through their tie on, on, on Saturday well again we'll have to go to Bath which again will have to be a midweek but um yeah, we could, well, maybe we could have a full set from there. But I fancy Margate to get into the round they're actually playing on Saturday uh, uh, as well. I think I think Margate can win that as well. But of course, they're, they're a round behind. So goodness knows how long that takes to catch that up. Well, indeed. Um, in the National League South, Dartford stayed top on of the table on Tuesday night despite being held to a 3-3 draw by Wealdstone. Um, they beat Gloucester City well on Saturday and Welling on Saturday had to come back from 2-0 down to get a point against Hemel Hempstead and Joe Healy, you mentioned him there, absolute wonder goal from halfway. I mean, it wasn't quite as far out as uh, the guy for Luton's goal that, that people would have seen, but it was certainly some strike by Joe Healy. Yeah, he's a good, I say a good player, Joe Healy, probably... Up there as one of the Kent non-league players of the season so far. The vision he's got, um, his all-round game is very good. He, he's, he's, as you mentioned, he's coming up to 30 now. Very experienced. He's absolutely crucial for how um, uh, Welling will get on and scoring goals as well. Shows they've got goals all around the pitch. If, if people can get the uh, the front with the Tom Bradbrook scoring goals, which he got one on Saturday as well, it's all bodes well for Welling. And I think they're side to. To keep an eye on, on the house goes to the playoffs, I think, for the, uh, uh, the, the National League South. Yeah, well, I mean, you can't argue with where they are at the moment. And it is one of those things, you know, if you're on a good run of form, you want the games to keep coming thick and fast. And you say they need to sort out their home form well in, and they've got a chance. If they can get the monkey off their backs with a victory against uh, Weston in the trophy on Saturday, then going into the Christmas period, where no doubt they're going to play Dartford twice in a, in a short space of time, it's going to be really good for them to sort of hit the ground, hit the ground running, be in good form, and when the games are coming thick and fast, be able to stand up and be counted. Yeah, I, I think I like the squad. I like the what he's doing there, Jamie Coyle. Uh, again, they just got to keep that. If they'd won two of their home games, they'd probably be sitting high at the, at the right end of the top of the table. So it's just one of those frustrating things. A bit like Maidstone, you look at it; their home form's not being good. We'll discuss that a bit later. Yeah, just carry on as they are. Jamie called his first job, so it will be learning every single game. And with the experience of the Healy's and the Parkinson's around him, I think it's it's a it's a promising season for Welling. Absolutely. Yeah, into the uh, the Bostick South then. Um, Cryer leading the way for for the Kent teams after on Saturday having one of those results that ended brackets and the number spelt out on the video printer. East Grinstead Town nil, Cray Wanderers seven. Um, Sittingbourne got back to winning ways on Tuesday night with a 3-2 win at Molesey after a third straight home defeat on Saturday when they lost 3-0 to a South Park side who I understand played an outfield player in goal for the full 90 minutes I mean that's, <laughs> that's never one you want to lose is it? I didn't, I didn't know about that yeah Sittingbourne uh, I, think, I think there was an article that said they played a lot of games this season in a young squad um, maybe the game's catching up but that's a good result I think uh, on Monday night back in again and we mention it each time on this the Devon Bostick South they play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday there's no absolute let up in that league at all and Sittingbourne again haven't had a break for a while uh, and I think that's what he, um, Nick Davis mentioned that you know could do with a bit of a break and again with Christmas coming up they're probably playing Saturday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday again so but yeah, they're having a good season back on, the, back on the thing back on the horse so to speak I think you know our hopes that they could be at the right end of the season for the uh, right on the table for the whole season may not be there. I think they maybe might get on the outskirts of the playoff, but they have a fantastic season and that experience they'll get from that point of view. And one thing I did mention about uh, Cray Wanderers that six different scores on their own goal, so which is good to see 
were great wanderers. And also, my mate, uh, my mate Michael Powell, he didn't actually score, which I'm quite surprised about. But uh, the other score we surprised me. Hyde losing 4-0 at home to Carl Shorten was a bit of a shocker as well. Absolute shocker. But, I mean, they did stop the rot on Tuesday with a with a nil-nil draw at home to Greenwich. And, you know, Hyde are, are bubbling under. They, they just need to find a bit of consistency. And, and I think... They've been banking on their home form a little bit. So to lose 4-0 to Carl Shorten, who granted are, are a very good side and, and flying high in the table, um, that would have been a, a real shock for Clive Cook and his men, I'd imagine. I mean, in fact, on Saturday, it was it was pretty bleak stuff all round. Ramsgate were the only other Kent winners apart from Cray. Um, they beat Whiteley 4-1. Um, Hernbay, Thamesmead and Babsham all drew their games. While Ashford lost 3-0 at Corinthian Casuals. Um, Tuesday night, Phoenix were 2-0 winners at Corinthian Casuals. Having lost at home themselves on Tuesday, it's still one of those leagues, isn't it? Where I think on any given weekend, if you put the twenty or the twelve games in front of me, and I, you know I know probably more than most people about non-league football, but you put any twelve fixtures in that division in front of me, and I wouldn't have a clue where they're all going to go because it's so up and down. You never know what you're going to get from any of these teams. It's a league where there's goals, 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 isn't it? And you could find yourself thinking, "Oh, we'll put plenty plus these." And you lose a game from it. And one of the things that stood stand out, we're looking at the goal scores from this, Richard Paquette playing for Thamesmead. I must have seen him play in non-league football for numerous, numerous clubs. He must be late 30s now. Uh, he, has, he has had more clubs than the proverbial um, Jack Nicholas gag that's used on that. What a player, Richard Paquette. Still banging in the goals though, but he is what you call a non-league journeyman. Absolutely, I've just actually typed in his name to Google, but the uh, the Wi-Fi. Born twenty eighth of January nineteen eighty three. He's only thirty four, believe it or not. Yeah. I mean, you, you would have thought it it'd been he has been around for a long old time. I'm I'm surprised that he's only thirty four. You know, younger than me, um, but still banging the goals in. And that's the thing, you do get that mix, don't you, in non league football? You get your non league players who've been around for a while that aren't as old as, you know, aren't even in their 30s, but that you've seen play for a long time. And Paquette, I mean, obviously he's been he's been doing the rounds for so long that it probably feels like he's been playing since he was 16. He may well have been playing since he was 16, but he's still got plenty of years left in him, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, if I, 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 I'd love to know how many club, different clubs I've seen him play for. Always a threat up top, though. 34, so you thought he'd be that bagging them in for Thamesmead. He's probably played for the half of Kent. For that, yeah, so it's... But that, it's interesting from that. It's either, you know, some people say they fall out of love. You speak to these players, I fall out of the love of the game, but people like Richard Paquette, he probably lives and breathes Saturday afternoons, three o'clock. I should be playing football on a Saturday. And he's still doing it. And, it, I, and I'm sure if he can stay fit when he's at Thames, by the end of the season, that's 15 to 20 goals in the bag for that. Well, do you know what? I've, I've, now I'm, I'm into Richard Paquette mode. I've actually just got up his Wikipedia page and the list of clubs he's played for actually doesn't fit on my laptop without me scrolling down. So I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to run through this very quickly, OK? Yeah. Queen's Park Rangers, Stevenage Borough loan, Dagenham Ribridge loan, Mansfield Town loan, Milton Keynes Dons, Fisher Athletic, Brentford, Farnborough Town, Stevenage Borough, St Albans City, Hemel Hempstead Town, Hampton and Richmond Borough, Worthing, Thorock loan, Haven at Waterlooville, Maidenhead United loan, Maidenhead United, Histon loan, York City, Eastbourne Borough, Hayes and Yedding United, Maidenhead United, Lincoln City, Bromley, Eastley, Sutton United, Maidenhead United, Eastbourne Borough, Hampton and Richmond Borough, Lewis loan, Walton and Hersham, Hampton and Richmond Borough, Metropolitan Police, Grays Athletic, Egham Town, Harrow Borough, Thamesmead Town. Blimey. I've probably seen him play for about half those clubs from that point of view. But the thing is, he's travelled, but he's played up in York and places like that. Stevenage, normally being around the M25, but yeah, he must have started. I remember him starting out at QPR. I don't know if he ever made a game for QPR, but he's one of these players. But he'll always be a threat, though. He's, he, that's what, he's the kind of player that makes non-league great. When you've had about four spells of made dead. You know you've made it as a career, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, this Saturday, Cray might be playing Ashford, but at the moment, as I, as we record this at 2042, uh, fact fans, Cray are winning their replay against Moneyfields, so they won't be playing Ashford, they'll be playing Braintree if it stays that way. Um, elsewhere, Faversham play South Park, Herne Bay host East Grinstead, Hythe go to Horsham, Ramsgate travel to Molesey, Sittingbourne host second place Corinthian Casuals, 
Thamesmead take on Carl Shorten and BCD Athletic host Shoreham. And then in midweek, Thamesmead become the third Kennet team in a week to go to Molsey. Herne Bay against Horsham and Hyde against VCD. So, you know, as I say, that league is, is so up and down. You don't know what's going to happen in those games. And it's literally just going to be anyone who can put a run together will be getting out of that league at the end of the season, I would suggest. Um, in the Southern Counties East League, we have to start by mentioning Irith Town striker Danny Gannon, who suffered a double leg break in his side's win at Glebe on Tuesday night. Um, the game was delayed for about half an hour, I think, while he was waiting for an ambulance and everything. He's, he's undergone surgery earlier on on Wednesday, and we hope he gets well soon. And, and the thing is, is, we've sort of touched on this before, Matt, but these players, you know, they've got jobs. And I don't know what Danny Gannon does. I don't know, really know anything about the guy. I know he's obviously been a good servant to Irith Town. But... Whatever he does for a living, he certainly wasn't going into work today and he won't be going into work for the next few days. And that's where, you know, you have to appreciate sometimes the sacrifice these people are willing to make to play non-league football. Yeah, he scored in that game as well, didn't he? Um, yeah, it's if it's if he's in hospital, it's going to be a bad leg break. He's going to be in hospital for a while. Again, I don't think Eric Town will probably pay him, probably a little bit of expenses, so... It's the love of the game, and I'm sure Eric will and the non-league will, will, will rally around him to hopefully um, get him some, you know, some hard-earned cash. We can still work. Hopefully, good luck to him, and he'll be, you know, back in the game. And he's likely to be missed the rest of the season. I'd have thought, but uh, yeah, disappointing for him. And uh, we wish him all the best on the non-league podcast. Absolutely, obviously a double leg break. How does it make you feel about moaning about your poor little toe now? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It still does hurt, though. I have to say. Um, Whitstall were 2-0 winners over Rustle in the other game on Tuesday night and, and looking at the league table Seven Oaks are still top um, they're a point clear of Croydon who they've got four games in hand on um, it's, it's still a tight old league there's eight points separating the top ten um, some of them have played 18 games some of them have played 13 games um, at the bottom though it's, it's looking pretty bleak for Hollands and Blair who've just got two points from 15 games Rochester have got five from 14 and there's a nine point buffer to Tunbridge Wells Um no signs of, of, of the games evening up this weekend, though, in that league, because there's only three league games, as the Kent Reliance Senior Trophy takes centre stage for most of our teams in the scaffold. And again, you know, we've discussed this so many times that the league table there is not really worth the screen that it's printed on at the moment, because it's still so uneven and we still don't really know who's going to be there or thereabouts. But you would say Seven Oaks Town, 13 is the fewest games anyone's played. They've played 13, top of the league. Things are looking really good for Mickey Collins' men. Yeah, good at home, aren't they? Won all their games at home. Croydon, uh, again, they've got four games, you know, one point behind, four games in hand on them, seven eight as well. Crowbar, um, interesting. They could be a side that, uh, with their new facilities they've got there. Looking at there, I know they're not based in Kent. A couple of players, though, Tom Fitt, we know from Margate, absolutely a good player as well, um, scoring for them. And also Henry Muggeridge. I used to rate him when he played for uh, Tunbridge Angels as well. So, Players drifting down the level. That probably shows, and we've discussed it before, that the Scaffold Premier Division is probably a good enough standard for, same as the, as the Devon Bostick South, I would have thought. Kind of players that we've seen playing for Crowborough, and also they've seen playing for Seven Oaks and also Whitstable. Yeah, and Zach Upwards at Crowborough uh, as well, so another good player. And one thing that is interesting, I mean, I've just mentioned it there about the senior trophy taking centre stage at no league games. Um, and we talk about it a lot, but I've read somewhere this week that in the Southern League, um, league games take preference over the FA Trophy. So um, Tiny Hartley Whitney are waiting to find out who they've got in the in the next round. Um, it's going to be an away game against higher opposition. I think one of them's Farnborough. But that game, the game they were supposed to be playing, was called off on Tuesday night so that one of them could play a league game. Um, <laughs> I mean, I I think it's right that the FA Cup and the FA Trophy take precedence. It's just. The less prestigious competitions, your Kent Senior Cup and that awful velocity Watsima thingy that they play in, in the Bostic League. Um, but I've never heard of an FA Trophy game being called off due to a league fixture before. No, that seems a, a, a strange one. Uh, the Kent FA Trophy, I'll take this, is, is it? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. No, perhaps, yeah. yeah I, 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 it really beggars belief from, from this sort of view. I don't know if I mentioned it last week. When, when I was just doing the Chris Kinnear stats, Dover used to play so many cup competitions back in the day. That I think they had about four different cup competitions are playing at one stage and also um, a, a league game. And you, for some reason, the lower ends of the scaffold seem to love a cup competition as well. And I'm sure we've spoken to a few of the managers. Some of them don't really take it with much interest. It's a pain in the backside. You want to get your league campaign going up and running. And, and you can see that the likes of the sides are 
playing too many games. Like Deal Town have played 14 games, I think it is. Only four away. They've played eight at home because probably their games were all called off for some Mickey Mouse Cup competition. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, anyway, finally, we'll look at the National League. The top flight. The jewel in the non-league crown. Four Kent teams all going well. Just, just not this week. Um, between the four of them, they played seven games, recorded no wins, three draws and four defeats. Dismal. Um, Maidstone is still in the playoff spots, but uh, genuinely, I'd say the first 50 seconds of their 180 minutes this week were the best. Took the lead against bottom of the league, Solihull Moors, very early on. Failed to build on that, were held 1-1. And then on Tuesday night, they got an absolute spanking at the Gallagher. 4-0 home defeat against Borehamwood. Um, not a good week for the Stones and their home form has is, is got to be becoming a bit of a concern for Jason. I, I spoke to him a few weeks ago and he, and he sort of played it down but ultimately you know, they need to be getting results at home to, to keep their fans happy more than anything and, and keep the people coming through the gate of the Gallagher. Yeah, I think, I think it's three wins in all competitions out of 11 games at home um, but of course it, it, you're not moaning because they've won seven away from home but it, it's probably a strange thing. If they'd won seven at home and only won three out of 11, we wouldn't even be mentioning this thing. But as, as they're not doing it in front of their home fans, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit of a, a worry for them as well. And yeah, I think maybe people you know, are more used to the 3G and the pressures off Maidstone from, from the other sides coming there. But Bournemouth are a decent, decent side. But I think, that's a, you know, I think they'll be a really decent side from this thing and they'll be on the right end of the table. Just a bit of a chasing him for from for from Maidstone and you think they've got to go away to Tranmere on Saturday, which is a really big game now ahead of the before the FA Cup game. So yeah, it's just a little bit disappointing. And one thing I have to say, a couple of people have said that last week's pod we mentioned that Maidstone Bar Council had supported the club. I think they did support them by giving them the um, the ground, the facilities to uh, the planning permission to the ground, but they didn't support them financially. So I want to put that into place. A couple of Maidstone fans came up to me and said, "Oh." They haven't done that much for the club. I know they've got the meeting again tonight about the bit of land, but uh, from that point of view, I just want to say, yeah, yeah they didn't support them. So just get that, get that viewpoint across for a few Maystone fans mentioned. Thank you very much, Matt. Um, I think what, what you touched on there was really interesting. I think that ultimately we expect teams to win at home. So when a team isn't doing, doing their stuff at home, you know, that, that's when questions get asked. And, and a team who struggled away from home this week at, uh, at Dover, still second in the league, but a 1-1 draw at Leighton Orient, a 1-0 defeat at Dagenham, ending their long unbeaten run. Uh, Matt saw both the games and we'll hear his thoughts shortly. But before that, he spoke to a player after the games and uh, I'll even let him introduce it at the start as well. Alongside me, David Midfielder, Mitch Pinnock. David's unbeaten run uh, ends a disappointing night at Dagenham. Yeah, we weren't really quite uh, at it tonight. I thought first half we was really poor. Second half we uh, give it another, we give it a go, but just weren't, weren't our day on the end. You had a good chance just after half-time. Beast of man and a shot come in from the angle we have. We thought it was going straight in, but we knew it was a fantastic save from the keeper. Yeah, it oh, yeah, would have been nice if it went in, but you know, if it happens, then it weren't our, weren't our luck today. And uh, nothing, was, nothing was really going for us up there, so it was just one of them days, I think. But the goal you conceded, it was a disappointing one from, as I said, about five seconds from when the keeper's got it. It's in the back of the net. He threw it out. Great cross and, a, and a, nothing the striker. Well, easy finish for the striker. Yeah, it was uh, sort of hit us on the counter attack. We thought we got to be more uh, more aware of that. We could have probably stopped it earlier up the pitch, if, but it's what it is, and it you can't get get on it too much. We've not lost in eleven, so one goal's not nothing to worry about. What did the manager say to you the fi- after the final whistle? Because you, you say mentioned the first defeat in eleven, you just got to get back on the horse straight away, I presume. Yeah, it's important that we have a good. Uh, well, we win Saturday. Um, just can't really look at it too much. Obviously, it's one in eleven, so any no other team's done that this uh, this season. So we just got to bounce back and win Saturday. What do you think from a? Do you think the squad when the start of the season, everybody didn't think Dave would be doing too well? Are you surprised how far this, how well the season's gone so far? Uh, yeah, well at first, but now everyone knows what they're doing. Just, we, we're going every game, trying to win every single game we play. There's no one we're fearing. So yeah it just shows how good we've come along and uh, we can't dwell on this uh, loss too much when we bounce back Saturday From a personal point of view I think you've been involved the last 15 or 16 games at personal point of view the season's going well for yourself yeah I'm really pleased to be playing obviously I didn't start the first year but now hopefully I'm showing Gaffer enough to keep my shirt and hopefully I can be part of a team that gets promoted 
how much, as a player since you've gone to the club, how much have you changed? Because you know Chris Kinnear is a player who knows players have got to work to get into the team, and you've, you've worked hard and you've now got your place. Yes, uh, what the job he wants us to do. Maybe at first when I was coming on, I weren't really doing it, but now I know what I've got to do, and uh, hopefully you can see that I am doing it. It's a lot. He's hard shift playing on that left wing, but yeah, I'm glad I keep doing it. Do you think your fitness rec- fitness levels have improved since going down there? Oh yeah, massively. Yeah, and loads, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and again, you, you're one of the players who's actually got a job outside the game as well. How difficult was that? Because a lot of the players having don't work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not. I've been taking a few more days off when I weren't playing. Obviously, I was going in, but uh, yeah, taking football more obviously is a priority over working. So I'd rather be playing full time football than going to work every day. So I just got. to carry on with that taking doing like three days a week now instead of four like five so yeah, you still have to work off the field as well you're not training when you're only training because again training is a bit difficult you can't train yesterday and you're back home you can't train of course today yeah yeah uh, right. <laughs> yeah it's uh, yeah, hard everyone does their own bits anyway but something to do in the day anyway to be working and keeping fit in it you know, do you think the fitness levels don't being part time? You think they're up same as the other sides? You haven't noticed any difference? No, I think we're fitter than any other team. The way we play is a lot harder than how other teams play, and uh, I think we've seen that the last few games we played. We have ran over teams where we are a lot fitter than them. Yeah, on the Saturday, just get back on against Fylde. There'll be another tough Northern side who have t- forms turned around. Yeah, they're doing all right. So it'll be a tough game, but it's important that we all up for it and don't worry about this last game. Just forget it and we'll go again. Um, so Mitchell Pinnock there, uh, Matt, he, he he obviously was disappointed by by that game, but personally it's been a really good season for him. Yeah, he's coming to the side. Again, I still don't really know what his best position is. Because it's set, he can pick a pass. And quite, so when he plays quite centrally, you think, oh, yeah, he can really cause problems. But on the wing, he has caused problems. He can go past the player. Not the quickest player in the world, but he's got a lovely touch. The only real problem, not a problem he has, he's so left-footed, sometimes when... Dover on the counter-attack, bit of quickness. He has to turn and get it on his on his favoured left foot when sometimes you think, you know, use your right to move it from that point of view. But he's had a good season. And he's one of these players, we all thought he was going to leave in the summer. He was, I expected to go to Welling United, but Dover tried to keep him and renewed his contract. So, yeah, I think he's done really well. And it's one of these things, Chris Kinnear does get criticised for bringing players in for the sake of bringing players in, but he's been very patient over the last couple of seasons. And, Skill-wise and ability-wise, he's probably one of the most skillful Dover players have got. So I admire him coming into the side, and he's probably one of the names in the team sheet at the moment. He can add a couple of goals to him. His game, I think, that could improve it. I would like to see him play a little bit more central, maybe in a ten role, because he can pick a pass. What I did find interesting there was as well. You said about how he works. I hope his boss doesn't listen because he didn't sound like he liked his job very much, did he? <laughs> No, he's, he's he's a plasterer from from that point of view. Um, so I think when he wasn't playing his football, uh, you know, when he was sitting on the bench, he was doing more sort of time. But now he's in the team, he's got to be fit. Uh, and he mentioned the fitness in that point of view because all the, I think he's the only Dover player who actually has work outside the from football rather than going down the gym when they're not training. So yeah, but I think he he started in the pro game at Southend and a couple of games then again drifted into non-league. Um, probably made him up. He's beefed up a little bit as well, which I think is important because you, you do find he was a little bit lightweight first time. But yeah, I don't really think he's keen on the plastering game. I think he he would prefer to be a, a baller full time, as they say. That's what the kids say. I, I don't want to yeah. ever hear you say that again, Matt, <laughs> to be honest. But I mean, generally, generally, Dover, you said last week you'd be happy with four points. It was just the one point, but still second in the league. And, and you were at both games. How, how did Dover play? I think the Lake Norrington game, uh, which was a great game, fantastic ground, Lake Norrington, it really felt um, a proper game, uh, if you know and where I'm coming from. The Lake Norrington fans were very good, excellent following from Dover. A lot of people went because it's, it's Lake Norrington because it was a great facilities. Dover played well first half, went in front. The game sat back a little bit in the second half and you could see um, Lake Norrington you know, knocking on the door. They got the goal. And I thought the last 15 minutes, really, you know, Mitch Walker, he's had a great season for Dover, made a couple of cracking saves to keep them in it. Um, so a draw was a fair result, though. I thought Dover could Dover dominate the first half. Probably should have been more than one up from that point. The Dagenham game, okay, I, I've been, I've worked it out on the way back. Uh, I've been to Dagenham and Redbridge six times following Dover. I've seen us lose six times, and I've seen us yet to score. So it's an absolute, not my favourite place in the world. But I think that was probably a fair result as well, Dagenham. 
looked very good. Corey Whiteley, probably the best player in the National League, in my opinion, for them. Very quick, lovely feet, set pieces are good, caused over problems. And they scored a good goal, to be fair to Dagenham. Cousins, the goalkeeper, had an excellent game. A couple of absolute brilliant saves. And he quickly threw the ball out. Great. And the full-black Ling, the, uh, another good game for them. Crossed it in and Ferrier couldn't miss, really. You know, from, from one end of the pitch to into the David net must have been about five seconds, which really upset Chris Kinnear. But Dagenham were good, solid. Won the second ball. David looked a little bit leggy. Um, as I say, I've been there so many times. You, you know, I thought we were beaten before we even went there because our record is so poor at Dagenham. So you just got to get on it. Filed this weekend, um, which may work in David's favour because they've got the FA Cup the following Friday, uh, which will be on the TV against Wigan. So it's a, it's a good derby for them. And maybe they may rest a few because they want to get to the third round of the FA Cup. So David back on it. But as I was coming out of the ground, if David can beat Filed on Saturday, everybody really forgets about the Dagenham defeat. Interesting, I just looked up Whiteley while while you were chatting there and his Twitter handle is at stepover seven. So uh has he got plenty of tricks, has he? Yeah, 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 he's he's a very, very tricky player, but very quick, um, strong. I'm surprised because um, Maguire Drew was with Dagenham last season. He was on loan from Brighton and he went to Lincoln. I'm surprised nobody's picked up Whiteley. His set pieces, corners and free kicks are absolutely top draw and they're varied as well. So I would have thought he could, if they'll do well to keep hold of him, uh, Wiley. Yeah, I think probably he's in the. He would be in my national league team of the best team in the uh, player in the league. Very good player, very good player. And again, another one. I think he came from Enfield Town. That John Still. So you know, we mentioned John Still in this pod. There, he knows how to pick up a player from there. So yeah, but let's get back on it for Dover. But again, it's tie up that division. And the results probably. You know, apart from uh, Rex and winning, um, the other results really went their way because nobody else sort of won it either. No, I mean, elsewhere, Bromley were held by Chester on Saturday and then the game with Aldershot on Tuesday night was called off due to an electrical problem, um, which I think blew up the floodlights, so to speak. And um, our job running Bromley's Twitter account on Tuesday night, definitely, because there was plenty of angry Aldershot fans having a pop. And, and I guess that's one thing where social media doesn't really help clubs, is it? Uh, well, Aldershot, you know, do have a high opinion of themselves, but their supporters do. So there's nothing that you can do. It's I'm sure you, I've been to games that you get there, the floodlights fell, and there's not much they can do. Bromley haven't done it for the sake of it, for one of those things. You just and I think that what they said was that it was something out of their control down the down the road. If you've ever been to Bromley's ground, you know it's in a housing estate from there. So just one of those things. Um, sorry, sorry, all the short. You just have to go back, and I think they're actually going back next week because I've arranged the game for the next Tuesday. Yeah, um, Ebbsfleet lost lost twice at, at Wrexham, the new leaders, and then at Woking on Tuesday night. And this weekend, you've already mentioned Dover against Fylde. Um, Fleet are home to Hartlepool, so that'll be a big game for them. And the Bromley bus share program should be back in operation. I reckon they've got the mammoth trip to Barrow, and I don't see any reason why they can't drop Maidstone off at Tranmere on the way. I mean, we discussed this before, and what happened last time? Dover got stuck on a train for hours. So I reckon Bromley and Maidstone should be thinking about this one this time. Yeah, probably, probably the bar. Of course, Aggie Pennock, we had links with Kent non-league football and with Gillingham. He's got three wins out of four. That is a trek for for for, for Bromley. But like, they, at least they'll be fresh for going up to Bromley, not having played um, on on Tuesday night. But Neil Smith, that'll be a test for them as well, I think. Uh, I think they won up there last season. So, yeah, good test against the resurgent uh, Barrow side and Maidstone at Tranmere. Uh, you know, Tranmere needs to start winning uh, if they want to get into the playoffs. Every week, I think, oh, Tramway are going to come, Tramway are going to come. Haven't done. Uh, big, it, it's a nice place to go. Maidstone, will they have one eye on the FA Cup though against Mount Kingston? Maybe heading towards that. Yeah, and, and just finally, I'm going to look a bit away from, from Kent for a little bit. I mean, because it's always nice to see what's going on in other leagues and things like that. And Merthyr Town are in the news this week for, for all the wrong reasons, unfortunately. They, they lost 13 1 on Saturday. They're in the Southern League Premier Division. Um, it was 13-1 on Saturday with a 15-year-old in goal among many youth team players making their debuts. Um, I saw a video of the players at the end going over towards the Merthyr fans who travelled and a f- real fair play to the Cheshire keeper who was consoling the young man. Um, but with the money gone, it's, it's going to be a long road ahead for Merthyr who've already come back from extinction once. And it's one of those things, isn't it? Running a football club is, is such a perilous thing. And if the money goes and, or you get a big tax bill and everything like that, you, you're always one thing away from potential disaster and we are so lucky where we are that 
from what I know, nearly all of our clubs are really, really well run from, from what I've seen. And, you know, you hate to see a situation like that one at Merthyr and, and you hope that they can come through it. But hopefully we won't ever have to say anything about that about any of our teams. Well, we've had a few fans on the brink over the years down here, of course. But we never, people have rallied around. And, but that quote I said earlier, what's a, what's a town without a football club? Merthyr, I remember Merthyr Tidville back in the day, really. And they've managed to regroup. Um, then come into Merthyr Town and got through the back through the levels, haven't they? They're in a decent level, just one below um, National League South. <laughs> my, my, the, the you know, the, the, I saw that video as well. What fantastic achievement! That 15-year-old guy in goal, trying his hard out, but it shows that it's very easy. Maybe they could have just sort of pulled out of the league from there, but I think they're having a big rallying thing. Let's let's pack out their Pendrin Park. I think it is this weekend with supporters got home games. And they've got Hereford coming up over Christmas, which could do them an absolute favour because Hereford will bring absolutely loads of fans from there to put it through. Yeah, hopefully they can get through the the perils of, uh, of that point of view. Yeah, we've had a few clubs on the brink in in Kenton League, but we know people out there who behind the scenes are, are real, you know, unsung heroes, and a lot of people are fans that they love their football club and they don't want it to to happen from that. And I and I feel for the Merthyr fans. Let's hope they get a good crowd this weekend and. We'll be looking out for their results, but it, you know, no, no, no club wants to go through that. Yet, gone through it once, they don't want to go through it again. They, they certainly don't. Um, that's about it for this week. Um, I assume on Saturday you'll be seeing Fylde against, against Dover uh, down at Crabble and Dover looking uh, to get back to winning ways. Yeah, but uh, Fylde on Saturday before uh, then I'm off to a gallivant around Europe again with work. So after a few days from that, so uh, yeah, hopefully I can go on uh, on my flight on uh, Sunday with a. Stepping my uh, toe, reading the non-league paper on the plane, getting weird looks, I'm sure. But hopefully, uh, David would have got three points on the board. And not all the Arkent sides can, uh, the coach sides in the trophy can also do good results. And uh, hopefully we can have a better week results-wise, I think, than we have this week. Yeah, absolutely. No game for me this weekend. I'm tied up down here in the southwest uh, for, for a few more days yet. But I will try and get somewhere on Tuesday night. I can look at the fixtures and work out where it might be good. Um, as always, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks, Matt, for for your time um, chatting to me. Until I mean, you're gonna you missed the start of the Apprentice now, Max. It's gone nine o'clock. You must be dead. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't watch that, and I don't watch it. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here, either. I, I presume you're watching that as well, are you? Uh, well, I, I, yes, of course. Um, <laughs> but that's that, that's by the by. I'm not watching yeah, it at the moment. Most importantly, cause, cause... is it a travel lodge or a another brand of hotel? I can't remember. I'm in, the, I'm in the Mercure, darling, don't you know? Um, oh, is, very, uh, nice. You know, very nice. There's a gym and, and a swimming pool downstairs, which I'll be planning to visit. Um, and, you know, I won't be watching any of these TV programmes this evening because, one, I've got to edit the podcast, and two, Hayley's out watching Bananarama, and she would be furious if I'd watched all this while she was having that fun. Oh, no, mate, we're so excited about Bananarama. They were going, well, you must know this song, you must know this song. I don't know if I was showing my, my tender years there, but I knew Venus, I wasn't really sure about any of the others. Anyway, uh, enough but, about that. Uh, another one, Robert De Niro. Waiting, absolutely flawless okay. singing there from Matt. I, <laughs> exactly. I assume he's going to be on stage later on uh, doing <laughs> that rendition. Um, that is the end of the podcast. Anyway, uh, thank you everyone for listening. As usual, f- find us on Twitter at Kent NL Podcast. If you've got anything you want to say to us, feel free. I, I do check the uh, notifications frequently, so if you want to hear, if you want anything you want to discuss, just let us know, and we'll be happy to chat. We're also on Facebook at Kent Non League. And you can also email us at johnphipps81 at outlook.com. But for now, thanks very much for listening, and we shall speak to you all next week. Thank you very much. Cheers.